Now I want you to repeat after me. I will, I will. get through this. Get through now turn to your left. Now you're going to put some soul in this to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. you will, you will. Get, through get through this. Now turn to your right. Now say, neighbor, neighbor. You, will you will get through this. Get through this. Amen. Get a lot of hand clap this morning. I want to go ahead and say, introduce myself. I'm Pastor Rich, lead pastor here, and welcome to uh, You'll Get Through This Series, part two. This one is called Down and Out, But Never Alone. And I want to start off with a story this morning because we're talking about down and out. As I was a kid, and this, some of you uh, college students probably won't get this because this is when we went outside and played. <laughs> and we didn't have video games then. We didn't have Atari. We didn't have any of that stuff. You probably don't know what I'm talking about. And we had black and white TVs. Anyway, Ed Sullivan. Anyway. And we would go as a young child when you get to go to someone's house and they had a birthday party. If you're a bunch of guys, boys, you need something to do. And the parents knew that. What they would do is give us this thing called Bozo. How many know Bozo the Clown? All right. Oh, y'all do know Bozo the Clown. Okay, so I'm talking to you too. Anyway, Bozo used to be what we call a beat-em-up bounce Bozo. So we would punch Bozo, he'd fall over, get back up. And that wasn't good enough. As guys, we would tackle Bozo, <laughs> kick Bozo, stomp Bozo, and he just bounced back up. And we want to know, how come he keeps bouncing back up? Well, we noticed there was what we call ballast, which was some sand in the bottom of Bozo. And when we discovered that, we cut him open and let Bozo... <laughs> I'm sorry. Because we're boys. Hey, we didn't have video games. We made sticks and rocks that was playing. Someone's with me. But Bozo had this ballast. Whenever you hit him, you hit him the hardest you can, and you, he'll come back up. You know, life is like that. Life seems like it hits you with his best punch, and then God calls it, he puts his back up. The secret to Bozo's resiliency and Joseph's resiliency was the ballast. Now, the ballast was this. Joseph had full trust in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. Whenever you're going through something, sometimes that's all you have is the trust and the sovereignty. That means God is all-knowing. And his goodness of God. And you know us through the pattern as we unpack this story. Joseph, he trusted in that. And today as we go through this, go start really unpacking this story, down and out but never alone. I hope that speaks to you today. Wherever you are today, God desires you to bounce back. Because life will knock you down. And the first place we want to start in is Genesis 37, starting in verse 5. This is Joseph starting off his life, young 17-year-old kid, full of energy, full of spunk, had a dream. And in verse 5, it says this, now Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear the dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. 
And his brother said to me, are you indeed going to, uh, to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? And look at what happened. The reaction was they hate him once, but now they said, so they hate him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, at that point, I think Joseph should have stopped with the dream, telling everybody, sometime God will speak to you, and who you tell, they might not be ready for it. So you get to part two. Now he's going to up it. Now I'm going to talk to my dad about this dream, another dream we have. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bound down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Now, he talked the first dream was related to his brothers, the sheaves in the field, bowing down to him. This other one, the 11 stars represented his brothers. The son represented his father and his deceased mother, Rachel, that they're going to bow down to him. Now, when you look at the beginning of the story, you see something. They revealed the dream, but also God was revealing Joseph's destiny to the family. When you have a dream from God, a destiny from God, hold on to that. His dad knew when he said, oh, I've got to ponder that because this kid is going to do something special. Now, he was next to the youngest. Benjamin was the youngest. But God gave him a dream. And the way Joseph used his dream kept him in the game through 17 years and up of some hard times. And with every dream comes a disaster. You ever notice that when you have something good or you come off the mountaintop with God, bam! Well, with every dream will be a disaster. And we go down to verse 23 to 28. Let's look at disaster and how it started. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the many-colored robe, the robe of many colors and that he wore. And they took him and threw him in the pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they then sat down to eat. Looking up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with the camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh. On their way to carry it down to Egypt, then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let, us, let, our hand not be upon him. let our hand not be upon him, for he's our brother, our own flesh. You got to love a brother like that. Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up, lifted him up out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites, Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Now, he went from the top, the destiny, to down into the pit. down into some serious disaster, pulled up, and he was going down to Egypt. And then they led him down the road to Egypt. Down, down, down. From the dream to down. And you're saying, this story is depressing. 
but not really. For every dream, there has to be a preparation to receive it. But you got to look at the story because the Ishmaelites, you remember them in Genesis chapter 16 when Abraham, his wife, they're waiting for a child for 25 years, a child of promise. We came out to be Isaac. They had a plan. They will help God out. So his wife said, hey, take my handmaiden and sleep with her. That doesn't happen today. Her name was Hagar. Ishmael was born, born in the flesh. Then Ishmael take off later on in the Bible, and he started a tribe. Genesis chapter 25, the Midianites, a tribe came from after Sarah died, Abraham married another handmaiden, Katara. Chapter 25. And that started the race of, or the tribe of, the Midianites. So really, because God's in everything, how many believe that? He was sold to his cousins. Now, he was sold for $216.75. In those days, it was two years' worth of work. Now, Jesus was sold for 30 shekels. Joseph was sold for 20 shekels. But he was sold to his cousins. God always has a counter plan to Satan's plan. Joseph was knocked down. Didn't see that coming. I'm going to go see my brothers and report to my dad. Bam, I'm going down to the pit. Bam, I'm getting pulled up. I'm going down to Egypt. Bam, now I'm going down the road and I'm telling my brothers, hey, don't sell me, don't sell me, don't sell me. But he went anyway. Never hearing about him fighting. Sold to his cousins. Sold to what we call his kin. You know, life has a way of pulling us down. When Joseph left, he had nothing. No reputation, no money, no ID, nothing. Life will pull you down sometime. How many believe that? He had nothing. A couple of questions I'm going to ask you this morning. What keeps you on your feet when, you, when life tries to knock you down? What keeps you on your feet when life tries to knock you down? When you have nothing. He had nothing. No money, no family. Going into a place of Egypt who looked down on shepherds. Who, did not, who despised shepherds, even when he became the prince. He could not eat with them. To some guys, I don't know the language, I don't know anything. This is horrendous. What did it kept him going? What keeps us going when knife knocks us down and seems like it stomps on us? When someone says, well, we're going to get downsized and you're part, of the, you're part of the downsizing problem, uh, correction, so now you don't have a job. What keeps you going? Well, the one thing that God has given each and every one of us, if you remember, is your destiny. Joseph had a dream. Somehow Joseph said, if this is what God said, that means I'm going to hang on to this, and I'm going to trust him in the journey Sometimes when you hear everything seems to go south in your life, you got sometimes all you got is your, you can remember is the dream or the destiny that God showed you years ago. 
Now, what happens sometimes, people, when you get caught up in all this, you kind of forget and you settle for where you are versus I'm just passing through this thing. This is training. This is equipping. Something's changing, but I know God's with me through this. I might be down and I might be out, but I'm not alone because he, he sold me to my cousins. He's setting some things up I don't see. I might have lost this old job, but now I got a better job. Wow, I didn't ever say if I didn't go through that. He, he closed a bunch of doors, but he opened up a brand new door. See, don't look at the closed door. Look at the open door. Because whenever he shuts, he always opens something else. Whenever he takes money sources and you lose that portion of it, he opens up a new stream. Don't, don't cry over the one that's shut down. Look for the one that's coming open. Your destiny. What we, don't have, we can't do, guys, is get caught up in short-term thinking. Your struggles will, will not last forever, but you will. Struggles is temporary, but you'll last forever. Got this just revelation when I was praying over this. We had a lady in our church that uh, she was uh, our dean and really our, um, she was our, uh, of Cornerstone Christian School. She was the principal. She was everything. Some of you might know her name, Kathy Russell. Kathy Russell was amazing. Loved God, sold out for God, anything you needed. When we were coming back to the States and we asked, can we put it, we have a school, uh, we want to put our child in a school. Everyone sent us applications. She called us <laughs> for, uh, and told us all these things. And she wound up coming here to church and she contracted cancer. And we're trying to figure out what's going on. And we're praying for her. And she's believing God that she kept saying, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And even our, le- our leaders, as things were going south in her life, I don't know what's going on with this thing. Uh, he's going south in her life. We were saying, well, are we praying enough? Are we, are we have faith enough? But Kathy says, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And it wasn't something she was just saying that she might have got from a, a man of faith. It was something she believed. As Kathy got to her last days, she sat over there in the corner, and we were crying and we are praying. She said this, and it's down to tell you. Guys, um, you guys have been praying for me for a long time. How can I pray for you? How can I help fund this church and do something? It And you saw her face that Kathy saw something we didn't see. She realized that life here today, there's more than life today. There's a life forevermore. She saw when she said she was healed, she saw her new body. She saw that she's not going to, she's going to just check out one place and then check to a new place. Well, all sickness is gone. She saw those things. She just saw there was more to this life than today. And she saw and she trusted in God's future provision. And I want to share your scripture with this because Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternals in the heavens. 
And when you look at and you go down and Paul talks about being here and being away from the Lord, some of the rise and you see how you take, you put on one coat, you take off the other coat. Like if you leave this earth, it seems like you take off a coat and you go put on a new coat. And what the rise is actually saying is you're wearing two coats. So if you pass through, you just pass through because you have the coat of glory, uh, heaven glory on you while you're here on earth. So you have a, uh, you have a, a, a view of eternal versus temporary. Because if you read all through that, it says, well, what's here? You see, the fall, you see, here's temp- what you see is temporary. What's not seen is eternal. So when he gave her eternal view, she had a different mindset about what's going on today. Because she noticed this sickness is only temporary. But my, glo- my, my time with God is eternal and forever. I'm going to live forever. You see what I'm saying? Paul, I mean, Joseph had that. When you put your eyes on the destiny and your dreams that God has given you, you might trip over something, but as long as you're looking down the road, you just start throwing things off because I know it's temporary. And it might get done on this side. It might not. That's why I like churches that have a 100-year vision because I might not be here or you roll me in, but someone's going to be here because God shows you that eternally. What happens when you're going through some issues in your life? You get this myopic view. of, And you start giving the problem priority over the promise. And the problem looks bigger than your promise. And that's what Kathy inspired us and taught us faith. She already knew she was healed. And it wasn't just great language and declaring I'm healed. No, she knew. She saw. And you heard a man say that before, Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, I have a dream. He says, I might not get with but I've seen it. He's seen us all sitting together. He said, it doesn't matter now. This is temporary. I've seen it. I know it's going to happen. When you have that, I know, my, I know my, the destiny that God has for me is unshakable. It's going to take place. I'm telling you what, I'm going to go. And that's exactly, you can't lose what God, has gave, what God gave you. Your destiny. Your destiny. Second one is Jeremiah 29, 11. We know this, but the backdrop of this People, children of Israel, they're in bondage because they, they cause it on themselves. And they're going to go through 70 years. And Jeremiah writes to 3,000 exiles, hey, unpack your bags. Why? Because I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope today. Not in Beulah land, today. That's what he said. He says, guys, unpack your bags. It's only temp- to him, it's only temporary, 70 years. See, God doesn't go by time. It goes by preparation. When you're ready, you're birthed out. I wish there was another way. I wish there was a class. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wish there was another way. The reason why I'm getting strong on this, guys, a lot of us walk away from a destiny because we get so hacked off at God. You go through a horrendous divorce. 
I thought this was the person. It's not. I thought this was. You quit. Hey, young lady, if he walked out on you, you better start acting like you're from New York. <laughs> he lost something good. My mother, hey, my mother raised us. Miss <laughs> Dante, her mother, our mother and father's raised. You don't need nobody. And then we got to get together. We had to learn how to depend on one another because we're so independent. They're lost. There's something new. The door's closed. It's a new one coming. The night is shining armor. She's coming. Just trust God on it. Don't rush it. Don't go, don't go fast. Don't be naive. Just wait on him. When you stop looking, that's when he takes over. Because don't, we don't do well with that. That's what we're talking about there, guys. It's not a future and hope. That's today. When the more I press into God and I have issues, the more I see today what he has for me tomorrow, which gives me assurance for tomorrow. Because it's rough. It's tough. Especially when things are going. If you get lost, lost your job. Kid gets sick. Bad diagnosis. It's not easy. Work. I mean, I'm praying hard for our military. Another, another, what, what? They don't have nothing left. It's not going to fix it. And we know it's, in, guys, you've seen what's happening. We need Jesus. And the tribes I'm telling you about, read the Old Testament, you'll see what's going on in the Middle East. You can't stop something that was set in motion unless Jesus brings peace. Tony Evans said this, whatever the odds, never let the odds determine your destiny. Don't settle for the odds. This is all there is. I see a lot of children today who are not ha- don't have the ambition to do much because their parents cut them off with low thinking and no expectations. This is all there is, son. Just get you an education. Uh, daughter, this is all there is. That's all I got. Don't worry about it. They don't care. And you're setting them up to, to think this thing small. When you need to be pushing and putting destiny in them and letting them know you can be the next mayor, you can be the next president, you can be the next evangelist, you can be the next Billy Graham. All those things. Giving them destiny because you have it. But if you quit, you cap and you cap them off. And we're seeing that. So a lot of issues happening in the news today it has nothing to do with today. Is when that child grew up, he don't know how to treat a woman. We used to learn that in the house. And everyone's to blame now. You can't blame it. He should have learned it in the house. Well, he can't because dad is not there teaching it. And no, mom, don't get all excited. You're not either. (laughs) So when we bring it back home, where it should start, All teachers are supposed to do is teach the arithmetic. We teach the moral values. Back to where I'm at. (laughs) Destiny. Going to college. He's going to, he or she is going to college. Your destiny. Anyone try to take, you don't lose your destiny. Believe in God's destiny for you. What God has put in motion He'll bring it to pass. You ever see the covenant, Abraham's covenant? God did that. He put that in motion. Even if Abraham failed, God is going to bring it to pass anyway. 
because he knew what was in man. And he doesn't lie, and he doesn't change his mind. What he sets in motion shall come to pass. Second question, what do you have that you cannot lose? How about this one? Even though you're going through something, you don't lose your identity. Your child, you're God's child. His child forever. Well, you don't understand what I've done. You're his child forever. He birthed you. Why would he take you out? He loves you. His child forever. I'm talking to someone here this morning. I think you messed up so bad that God won't look upon you and God hates you. That's Satan telling you that. God loves you. He knows, like I told the teenagers on Wednesday night, every day is a new day. I didn't do well on Thursday, but by golly, I'm going to do well on Friday. It's a process. I had a bad Saturday, and that's the way God, and y'all repent of that, and God said, okay, it's done. New day. My mercies are new every single morning. Every morning, my mercies are new. Every morning, my grace is new. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Reason why Joseph could have lost it at that point, his identity. But he saw a dream, and he was a child of Israel. Israel's people, those are God's chosen people. He didn't lose that in the pit. He didn't lose that in prison. He didn't lose that in Potiphar's house. He didn't lose that when he was left in prison for so long. Whenever you're going, don't lose that, whoever you are. Your identity. Why does it say this? John 15, 16. His, you were his first choice. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your, shoot, your fruit should re, uh, abide, which means remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. You were chosen. The first choice. God chose us from the, before the foundations of the earth to represent him. Now, if you like me, and I used to play basketball on the, in, the, in, the, on the, in the playground, and nothing worse when you uh, with a bunch of guys who are better than you are, and the guy came off the field after they lost a game and you have next, the guys come off and say, hey, man, you going to play? No, nah, I'm going home. I said, man, I guess I'll choose you. That's me. I'm second choice. God didn't do that. You were his first choice. There's no second choice. This is like the news when a coach gets a new job. Well, he wasn't the first choice. I wonder how he felt when he read that. Man, honey, I got a new job, but it was only the second and third, fourth choice. No, God, you were his first choice. He chose us and knew that we wouldn't live up to the billing. <laughs> what a deal. But see, have faith in God because God has so much faith in you. He knew it. And it even gets better than this. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. It's a new living translation I'm using. For you know that God paid a ransom to save who? From the empty life you inherited from the ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you. Circle that. He paid for us. Didn't have to, but he did. It's love. With his precious life, blood of Christ, this 
the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He didn't do anything wrong. We did everything wrong, but he still bought us and paid for us. And whatever God redeems, he keeps. He haven't seen him lose anybody yet. Even the people he picked the wrong, it seemed like he picked, like, he picked Noah after 120 years, and Noah didn't have a good ending, but he still loved Noah. Paid for you, the precious lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the what? But now in these days, he was sent on earth for all to see. He did this for you. You're chosen. And he bought us with a price. That means you're valuable. Joseph had to remember that. Chosen, I'm his first choice. Whatever I'm going through right now has no indication of where I am with God. I'm not second best. I'm not third best. I didn't do anything wrong to cause this. Life is happening. I'm getting hit in the face with life, but I'm still his chosen one. I'm still his number one. His blood paid the price for me. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for me. The most precious thing that God had, he gave to us for us. If you don't think you're valuable, Satan's got too much in your mind, in your heart. He's a liar. We're valuable. Regardless what you're going through, because I've been there. Things have gone wrong so much, and you sit, I was sitting in the garage one day. <laughs> what did I do wrong? And, and uh, Donna said, get up and go. <laughs> you're going to Midland. <laughs> come on. A lot of times she gets, come on, honey, you got to go. Because you get, okay, what am I doing wrong? You ever feel that way? What did I, I do wrong? Did I not pray enough? Mm-mm. I'm preparing you for something bigger. And the only way I can prepare you is to work that into you for something greater. Last thing we can't lose is your blessings. You gotta count your blessings. Oh, you don't think your blessings count? Your blessings. Ephesians 1.3. This is Paul in a, a moment of praise, all the way down to verse 10. He's in a moment of praise, thanking God for his blessings. Now, when he wrote this, he was in prison. There's no blessing in that. But he saw something we don't see. He had a different eyes. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, who blessed us where? With some spiritual blessing? In the heavenly places. Now, we get tripped up because I got to wait to heaven for the blessing. He's talking about that today. The heavenly here today. We live in two realities. What we see and what's unseen. And what's unseen, we miss the intrinsic value, who we are, and what God really has for us. So we count our blessings wrong. We count it by the way of the American dream. If I had a nice car, a nice husband and a wife, and a great job, I'll be happy. We see that doesn't work because most people in society who are rich are doing well, killing themselves. That wasn't enough. And what Paul was saying in prison and what Joseph had to realize that God the Father is the source and origin of every blessing we enjoy. And the biggest thing was he provided by his Holy Spirit every single blessing that the Holy Spirit brings. 
And this is when you're into a, a, a tough spot. You got to start reciting these things in your mind and on your tongue. Say, so, Pastor Rich, what is those blessings he's talking about? I'll give you a couple of them. One that I wrote down, and if you're, if you're a Bible major, you'll love this one, election. We were elected by him. And what election mean? a fancy word? God's grace in action chose us, regardless of what my attitude was, regardless of what I, I, who I am. He chose me. Second thing is, I'm adopted. <laughs> and that's, new, that's huge to me. We're adopted. Adopted into, now we're children of God. We once weren't a people, but now we're the people of God. We were adopted. Didn't matter what your age was. Didn't matter what you did wrong. He said, when Christ, even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Whew. So it's unconditional. Other one is grace. <laughs> Go grace than I need. Not just to make me feel better but to equip me not to sin. He gives me equipment to live. Grace. How about this one? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because you say, God, you don't know what I did yet. He forgave it. He forgave it. Walking in forgiveness gives me peace. I'm not guilty. You're not guilty. How about this? Revelation. Tell me what's real, what's not real. I remember before I was a Christian, I tried to read the Bible. It didn't make any sense to me. Then the Holy Spirit came. Let me show you what it really says. And now I'm preaching different. I want to go back and burn every dumb tape I made. But I, I learned revelation upon revelation. The gospel. Good news. Hey, you don't have to die alone. You don't have to die in your sin. We have a Savior, a Lord and Savior, who's come and died on the cross for you. You know, on my worst day, I might not have no money. My house might have burned down. But praise God, I am saved. Because I can't take that to heaven with me. And the Holy Spirit, the same one that's messing with some of y'all right now, the Holy Spirit, the one who gets blamed for a lot of things, but really the one that saves our soul and gives us assurance. I didn't say anything about a job. I didn't say anything about my fantastic wife. I didn't say anything about the house with the white picket fence. Those are all byproducts of the blessing. So when I look at life today, I have to. I have to look at the eternal significance of it, not the byproducts of it. I'm learning today the byproducts of the economy is not going to last that long. Now, I learned from Joseph how to save money. Seven good years and seven bad years. You need to get to the end of the book. And when the next time it falls, you'll be ready. It's always a cycle. Seven good years, oh, we're, prosperity falls. Seven bad years, I'm cutting you, I'm laying you off. But those are byproducts. And when I want to help you today, Joseph didn't get caught up in the byproducts in the pit and going down to Egypt. 
The byproduct had nothing to do with it. He kept his eyes on the source of all things, God the Father Almighty. Now, is it easy? No, it's tough when things are pulling you down. But when you're down on your back, the only way you can do it is look up. You go and someone walks, you know, today, military careers. Hey, tomorrow we're cutting 4,000 people. You're one of them. What do I do? God does. He knows. You married to someone for 22 years. They come up. We're done. Really? What do you focus on? The things you can't lose. Your blessing. What can't you lose? Your destiny. Can't lose your blessings. Can't lose your identity. You can take everything else, guys, but you can't take my Jesus. That's the old line I learned growing up from my grandmother. You can take my health, you can take everything else, but you can't take my Jesus. <laughs> and I, didn't, I thought that was corny, but I'm using it today. <laughs> because you don't know what she was going through also. It might sound corny, but it was deep in her heart. And it became reality to her. We live in two conflicting realities. What we see here today and what God has for us today. Look at what God, and how do we do that? Read your Bible every day. Every day, read your Bible. Because it becomes more to you, and you get to see with the revelation of Christ. Because we all have the mind of Christ. We just have to activate it. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. One thing we've been praying for is the staff and leaders. One, that when people, when you go through something, don't blame God. Worship God. Two, don't let shame and embarrassment overtake you. Because usually when God leads you to someone to tell you that what's going on in your life, they'll say, I just came out of that. And I'm so happy you told me so I can pray for you. Because what thing Satan does? Well, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm not supposed to go. I'm immune to all this. That's a lie. You live here in this reality, and you're walking in God's reality. There's no shame in problems. There's no shame in shortcomings. There's no shame when you get knocked down, and you're like, I should have been better than this. I should have done better than that. Those are robots. When you read the scriptures, read the humanity of it. Not just the principle of it. Joseph was a real man trying to figure out, you got to see him, what is going on? And as he kept saying that, it kept getting worse. What is really going on? But you see, as he went through this first portion, he didn't lose his destiny, he didn't lose his identity. And he definitely knew how to really count his blessings. Those three things, staple them on your heart. And just slow down right now trying to work it. And really realize the sovereignty 
in the goodness of God. Life is tough, but our God is tougher. And say, God, thank you for I got up this morning, that you even got me up this morning and came here in the condition I was in and put me in front of you. I'm praying this morning for a whole shift of our thinking. Not for the temporal, but for the eternal.